It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Well, hello, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. I'm Jonathan Sanborn, and this is episode seven of of the probably a super exciting chapter in my life. We get to talk with some of the most awesome people on the planet, people who are peacemakers. Jesus said, "Blessed are the peacemakers," and this is the call the call that He's called us to. Sure, there are times to turn over tables. Yet, ultimately, we are called to be facilitators of peace, and he is the Prince of Peace. And so we're th- we follow him, and, and this show is designed to help us follow in his footsteps. So um, if you had told me we'd be talking about politics on our, my on this radio show, I would have thought, well, you're, you're just crazy. I would rather talk about my colonoscopy before I would talk about politics. <laughs> I just wanted to avoid the topic. It's just, just not my jam. It's not, the I feel like, the lane that I'm called to, yet – Yet politics pers- uh, pervades everything <laughs> these days. And just about every issue we talk about peacemaking, we need to, especially in America, we need to talk on the political lenses that we bring to the conversation. And we need to grow more and more aware of how p- the, po- the political lenses that we're, we have influence everything that we see. Even the, the Bible that we read, we can look at a passage and interpret it through our political lens. Or the, the when we hear someone talking about race, we t- interpret it through our political lens. Rather than, is this? we just need to ask, is that the way the, the Lord wants us to think? Are we all meant to be only in one political party? And what do we do with uh, cr- dear Christians who love and serve Jesus on both sides of the aisle? So today... We have on, on the show David Drum, who's the author of Peace Talks, The Good News in a Donkey-Elephant War. Pastor Dave Drum is a Tucson native, and he served as for 20 years as the pastor of Community of Hope Lutheran Church. He worked with an organization called For Tucson, helping bring churches and pastors throughout Tucson together, working together. He is the founder of J17 Ministries to Unite the Body of Christ worked with the president of Tucson Association of Evangelicals. I sense a theme here of working together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, he's also married to uh, Valerie for 32 amazing years and have four children yep. and a grandchild. So we are welcoming, please welcome, uh, David Drum. Thank you very much. Thrilled to be back with you. Oh, so glad you can join us. Boy, we had such a great conversation last week. We just really appreciated all that you had to um, share about a little bit about your book and the background. And today we want to spend a little bit more time with that. We think and and ways we can we can learn from you and, and all the work that you've gone and done in your 20, 30 years of unifying the church and bringing people together. And so I thought we'd just come back and ask some some more questions and hear your story and hear uh, how we can have a conversation around the dinner table <laughs> again and how we can have a conversation even on Facebook or in face-to-face if we ever get face-to-face again, right? Exactly. So, yeah. be- so before we get into it, uh, we play a little game called Fake News. And so Dave just – and I'm, I'm becoming fairly good at this. I have a 60% success rate. So in baseball, that's epic. In as a quarterback, that's that's okay, that's pretty good, and as a free throw yeah. shooter, that's not that good. But uh, 
But so far, so I'm just going to see if I can improve my record here. Dave, I want you to say something that's true about yourself and something that's not true, and I'm going to try to guess. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Go ahead. Don't say them in any order, but I'll try to guess. Okay. I nearly died as a child. Okay. And I was a high school basketball star. Okay. So I know Dave personally, and I have a really hard time believing he was a high school basketball star. It could be a long shot. So I'm going to say it's not absolutely impossible, but I'm going to say that he nearly died as a child. It's fake news. I am crushed. I'm just crushed. <laughs> here, here you think you know somebody, and then they just Did I tear your heart out? Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted so badly to be a high school basketball You wanted player. to. Were, yeah. Were you a yell leader? Um, I was the manager. The manager, okay. <laughs> you got the hot towels. <laughs> yeah. I I could have been a high school basketball star. The only problems, the only thing that slowed me down, I was um, too short, mm. too slow, and I couldn't run the length of the court without an asthma attack. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, three I minor things. Come on, come on. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was exactly, <laughs> definitely. Well, you are. I well, while people were playing and watching sports, I was behind the bleachers playing Dungeons and Dragons. So that just tells you where I <laughs> I was as well. So I was definitely in the 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 nerd geek crowd who. Um, so um, <laughs> so I I am yeah. a long shot of any sports. <laughs> any sports background. So, well, we're not here to talk about that, but uh, thank you for sharing that. And so I keep, I am now five, no, wait a minute, six, no, five for seven. Not bad. I'm still, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. So peace talks, the good news in a donkey elephant war. Whew, we, we covered a lot in our last, we got why you wrote the book. Just quick, why peace talks, just to recap. Personally, um, because my family had learned some of the things that are that I've applied in the book, um, and then professionally, because politics seems to bring out the worst self mm. of not just everybody, but people in the church, too. Mm. So personally and professionally, both sides. Both sides, and you saw that. And I think probably a lot of us have seen that the, the, the pain of – of the divide in in this particular area, it's just sometimes we just we we delete Facebook or we avoid certain yep. venues or just whatever it is because we get yep. so burned on on that that kind of mentality. Um, yep. so what do you hope happens with the publication of Peace Talk? So why why write this book then now? Well, it was was really interesting to me. Two of the books that I read in doing the research for my book. Um, were both bit written by people who would describe themselves as liberal, atheist, evolutionary psychologists. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so to, to say that their worldview and my worldview are a little bit different um, would be just understating things a hair. So um, we're coming from super different places. But I felt like both of them, in their conclusions, just teed it up for the church, that what it's going to take, they both said, is people to somehow, some way, build friendships with people on the other side of the mm. aisle and learn how to talk with humility. Both of them said that. Well, 
what better place than the church for that to happen? Because those we're already friends. We may not know it. We may not like to think about it. But we're already friends with people who vote differently than we do, if we have any kind of broad spectrum of friends within the church at all. If the church is connected at all, ethnically, racially, um, then statistically, we're, we're on opposite sides of the aisle. So we already love these people. Let's learn how to talk politics with them and come out stronger for it. Mm. So I'd love to see the church lead, for one. And then the other interesting reason why uh, and thing that I hope comes out of the book is I really think Jesus is pretty smart. You want to write that down? <laughs> well, that's, that's edgy. That's edgy. I know. I, I know. I know. I'm way <laughs> out there. So, so I kind of figure that if he prayed that our unity was going to be what led people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus, um, he probably knows what he's talking about. And so I, my second prayer for the book is that people who are not believers would come to know Jesus as Lord, Savior, and friend um, by watching unity happen, which is exactly what Jesus prays in John seventeen twenty three. Mm. So, mm. Um, so I I have a call to faith at the end of the book because um, I'm hoping that there will be people who are not um, connected presently or nominally connected. I'm hoping that some of them will be reading it too. Um, so, yeah, those so, are my two, hope, two but, big hopes. But doesn't it happen that if you go to a church, probably today, it would seem that 90-something percent of that church would belong to one political party. Maybe that's just a gross generalization, but have you found that be, to be the case? I think more often than not, although there's a lot of churches that just steer clear of politics because mm-hmm. they know that it would be divisive. And so the church that I'm going to is not ethnically diverse, but it but it's politically diverse. Just because I've had enough conversations that I know right. that I don't it, it may be sixty forty, but it's not ninety ten. Um right. I can guarantee. Yeah, oh that's um, great. So, um, and and yet, I, we haven't learned how to talk about it together. Mm. It's just that we keep quiet. Keep quiet, right. <laughs> Everyone's staying in the closet politically, right? Exactly, yep. <laughs> so, your, so one of your presuppositions is that there are Christ followers in both parties. And there's actually people who are so convinced that their party is the way of Christ that you yep. can't be in the other party. So you're, there's in a sense— yeah, go no, there's go ahead. lots of people who think that way, and um, I these people love Jesus, and I'm in groups. We we have a group called Pastor Partners that started with the racial division, but if you're going to spend any time together interracially, you're going to hit the political divisions right. as well. And we've been meeting together every month for eight years. Boy, at a time like this, you think that's valuable yeah. to already have those kind of friendships. Right with African-American pastors sure. in, in our city. Um, it's absolutely huge. Um, but we've already built those relationships because we've been meeting together every month for eight years. Wow. Um, yeah. And um, I know for a fact <laughs> that there are people who have very good biblical reasons 
for the party that they're affiliated with, and it's not the same party. Mm. I know that's shocking yes. to many who are listening, but it's absolutely the case. Right. We, we got to get out more. Yeah, um, that's right. When I, I lived in England for a year and studied there, and just about all of my evangelical friends were more on the left. And when I came back, most of my evangelical friends were more on the right. And so I was like, wait, so who are the evangelicals here? And it's yep. because of the, 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 the filter and political lenses from both sides, the way they looked at certain issues and what they felt were they were emphasizing, felt like their Christ-like and their faith would express itself in these particular issues. And they stood in that party. And, on, on, and so it's, it, it, that was kind of eye-opening to me uh, that – it was so different politically. Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, so I'm, I'm eager to see the relationships that we already have with Christ lead us to greater unity um, politically. Mm-hmm. I, I think the reason that our country is in the mess that it's in is that the church hasn't led in this area. And um, it's, it's time. So, so there seems to be a, the idea that you could be – should Christians sort of always be in the middle or uh, be Switzerland on every issue? <laughs> I know that there's people who are going to think that that's what I'm saying in the book, but I hope they'll read it closely because it should become apparent that's not what I'm saying at okay. all. I'm, I'm just saying that um, there's – there's bib- lots of biblical material about caring for the poor and caring for the immigrant, just like there's biblical material about caring for the unborn and caring for marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's find a way to um, be passionate about the convictions that God has given us, especially if they're biblically informed. Let's keep our passion there. But um, think in more both ands instead of either ors, um, especially politically. Mm. Um, and, and sometimes there's more than just two ways to think about an issue right? <laughs> as well. So it isn't always either absolutely. or. Right. Yep. So what would be a bad strategy in this, you know, being kind of fixing what's this divide? Well, it's the one that we employ all the time. <laughs> um <laughs> And that is we dehumanize the opposition. Mm -hmm. So we will throw out things on Facebook, either that we wrote ourselves or more often than not that somebody else wrote and we just forward it or like it or share it or whatever, um, that we would never say to somebody across the dinner table. Mm. Um, But but they're snappy and they're sharp and they're witty and they um, make the other person look like a buffoon. Um, so we dehumanize the opposition, um, and then we take it one step further and we demonize the opposition. Mm. Well, if if the goal they're of not politics, just wrong, but they're evil. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So, so if the goal of politics is to win more people to your side, how well is that going to work? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're an idiot, and you work for the devil. Um, and I think you should come join me. Yeah, um, and, yeah. And, and come to church with me on Sunday. <laughs> yes, yes, please, by all means. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so dehumanizing and demonizing the opposition is is just the worst strategy of all times, politically. And yet, 
it's the one that's being employed. I think that's the reason that we've stayed so divided nationally over so many years now um, is because that's the strategy that both sides employ. Mm. And more and more people are identifying as independent. Well, you're not going to win over independents, many of whom became independent because they didn't like the partisanship by being more partisan. (laughs) Right. So um, I think we need to look for peacemakers um, I think our country needs peacemakers maybe more than it needs anything else. Wow, that's a great statement. Our country needs peacemakers more than it needs everything else, anything else right now. That's really – that's profound. And I, I tend I to think, think – I think you're on to something, brother. <laughs> that's why yeah. I created this show and I hope uh, we want to find those kinds – exactly those kinds of people and highlight the work that they're doing, not in, both in politics and across whatever divides yeah. that we have as a country. Um. So if you're just tuning in, uh, you're listening to Counterculture. We have with us today Dave Drum from Tucson, pastor and author. And we're hearing about his book, the Peace Talks, The Good News in a Donkey Elephant War. So let's just talk about solutions now. We've got just a little bit of time left. Uh, you have several chapters on solutions, one for us as individuals. And let's talk about for individuals and then the church. Yeah, well, I've got one for the country, okay. one for the church, and then one for individuals. Great. So where would you like to start? Let's start with the country, but let's okay. be quick on that one. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Well, um, I talk a little bit about some suggestions at the ballot box, and one of those is that we, we need to look for peacemakers. I've gotten to the point where I will not vote for somebody, even if I agree with some of their positions, if their strategy is so bad because they constantly demonize the opposition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if more of us would vote for peacemakers, we would find more peacemakers to vote for. Mm. Um, It it goes both directions. It's circular. So 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 that's part of it. So people tend to vote from fear. And so it seems like when they're afraid of something that our media emphasizes fear, when you're afraid, you want someone, you don't, you feel like a peacemaker won't help you. You want someone to fight for you, Right. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I I just think it's very short-sighted. Very short-sighted, It, it yeah. gets us to where we are. Yeah. And let's, uh, let's change that. We've chosen the fighters sure. and that we're, everyone's fighting and it's all division. That's all yep. we've got. Right. Good. Okay. Yep. So good. Search and seek out the peacemakers. Find those crossing bridges. Good. So now yep. for the church. Yes. I have four calls to the church. Um, in the book, and that I I go into a great deal of detail. The well, and even prior to that, um, I just heard a beep on my phone. Do I still have you there? Yeah, you still. You're, we got you clear. Okay. Wanted to make sure we didn't drop. Right. Um, so, um, the first one is to to stop being part of the problem. Mm. <laughs> um, we we we've got to cease doing the things that are creating the mess that we're in before we can start doing things that are helpful. Mm. But then my four calls to the church are um, a call to unity, harmony. So let's build bigger bridges um, and walk across them. Mm. Um, there's a call to serve. Um, we, I think before the world is interested in hearing us preach, they are going to need to see us serve. Mm. Um which is why I love Care Portal and things like that that right. do such a terrific job 
Um, those are the kinds of, that's how you win an audience if you mm. want to have some conversation about Jesus, is by serving, um, which, by the way, is kind of what Jesus did right. and what he said. Yes. So um, if we want to follow Jesus, it would be a really good idea to follow Jesus. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. There it is. <laughs> um, I think humble service is, our, is the most radical and powerful transforming act. And so I'm, you're, you're speaking I, my love language totally. right there. Yep. So my third call to the church is one of authenticity. And um, I don't think um, the attitude of I've got all the answers is any more attractive in the church than it is in the world. Mm. And especially with younger generations, they can sniff that out a mile away. Right. So, so nobody is an expert on running a country. Mm-hmm. There's not a single person who has um, decades of experience um, successfully running a country. So we ought to have some humility and say, I don't have all the answers. Here's what I can offer from my vantage point but help me understand what you see from your vantage point. So a little bit of authenticity and humility would go a long way in this whole thing. So, but and, so just, let me. Just, this this is a, a, yeah. a powerful point, and I just want to spend a little bit more time on that because it, yep. it, it like yeah, what would a church? What does that look like in a, practically in a church that gives a sermon and gives the experts during the week that the people can listen to? How does that look like in a context of a church? Well, wouldn't it be interesting if um, instead of the sermon being the last word, it was the first word? Mm-hmm. Um, so lay out um, biblical principles and then invite people to chew on them. And uh, it's that's good educational strategy mm-hmm. for one thing. Yeah. Um, just just from a strictly an educator standpoint, your people are going to learn something if they've had an opportunity to really wrestle with it and chew on it. But I became convinced um, as a pastor that if if I think that in a half hour or forty five minute sermon I'm going to change somebody's mind, um, I, I'm giving myself way too much credit. Uh, <laughs> That is probably not going to happen. But if I use the sermon as an opportunity to introduce some discussion or some wrestling on a topic, then you could actually see transformation take place. Mm. I'm not interested in just finding people who already agree with me. I would like to make my case with people who don't agree, right. but who would be willing to wrestle with it. And so you've got to have some some humility in all of that. And and uh, invite people to push back. Mm. I think that would be a part of what authenticity could look like. Oh, that that would be profound. It's hard to. I haven't. I don't have many examples in my forty plus years of church attendance of seeing that. I can tell you that. So, but it's such a powerful. When I do see it in certain contexts, maybe a seminar or certain workshops, but I think it's very. It's beautiful. But I think the, a lot of youth, a lot of youth pastors have learned that. Yeah. Um, if they're successful, hmm. um, they've they've learned how to have some humility and some authenticity. And I'll bet you the the effective ones spend as much time listening as they do talking. Wow! And I think the same would be true for for uh, adult pastors. So, so, for your last and final point, you 
the yep. for, the fourth call is is we're just wrapping wrap, as we wrap up a radical call to love um mm. i think love looks like listening love looks like humility love looks like help me understand um love listens more than it talks um there's i've, I've got a whole long long list of things that love looks like mm. that um, I would just love to see us dive deeper into and, and take more seriously as the church. So, and so, unfortunately, we don't have time for the individual action, but we can really look at ourselves in the mirror. What, what, where is our stance on unity? How important is that to us? Are we serving together? Are we serving um, those the broken and the needy around us? Uh, are we being authentic? Or are we act like we have all the answers? Are we listening? And are we loving? Are we being? Are we emphasize? Are we showing the love of Christ? Well, well thank you, David, for uh, joining me today. I really appreciated your thoughts. And if you are able to uh, pick up Peace Talks, the Good News in a Donkey Elephant War on Amazon or at, a, at uh, online, uh, we and really enjoyed having David Drum uh, on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal. Helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. 